Welcome back, the Kid Detectives and the Kid Space Force on this special Easter egg extravaganza. Get it? Egg extravaganza. Like an Easter egg. Stay tuned. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. I'm Professor Theo. Welcome to the lab. We have a lot to cover this week, listeners. So no long-winded rambling introduction about me, my lab, my loose connection to some of the strange, wondrous, extraordinary children that make up this town. Oh, splendid West Virginia, home to kid superheroes, time-traveling teens, kid explorers. We even have our own kid space force and our own kid detective agency. They both stopped by this week. We'll start with the thrilling conclusion to our three-part kid space force adventure. What will happen to Chris and Natalie and Marcia? Stay tuned for Kid Space Force, Part 6. The Kid Space Force were in a pickle. After being lured to Area 51, tricked by their alien friend, surrounded by men in black, ordered on a top-secret mission to the dwarf planet Ceres, to mine rare Ceres core, and captured by the inhabitants of Ceres, Chris, Natalie, and Marcia found themselves in space prison for attempted theft. I can't believe we were captured by aliens, Chris lamented. The girls agreed. A nearby prison guard huffed and puffed. You know, technically, you all are the aliens. We live here. Good point, stated a sorrowful Natalie. Yeah, good point, Marcia repeated. There has to be a way to escape, Chris whispered, when he was sure the alien, a Ceres native, wasn't listening. The girls, too, had been plotting a possible escape plan, though they soon discovered there may be an easier way out. Well, I'll be. What in the galaxy is the Kid Space Force doing here on Ceres? And in jail at that. Chris, Natalie, and Marcia all looked to find a familiar face. His name was Azel Ebdemptador. The Kid Space Force trio had met him and several of his alien Space Force crew on their first mission into space. Chris had initially believed that the alien Space Force wanted to battle the Kid Space Force, but they really just wanted to hang out and have fun. Chris and Natalie took turns explaining their unfortunate fate with Marcia backing them up every few sentences, of how they had come to Ceres under direct order of the intimidating men in black, how they were ordered to mine, extract the mysterious, rare, glowing blue Ceres core mineral, and then take it home. Natalie pleaded, We didn't know anyone lived here. 
Marcia added, Yeah, especially you all. We would never steal from our alien force friends. We're sorry. Chris's apology was appreciated. Any way you can get us out of here? Azel Epnemptador was sympathetic. There's only so much I can do. There may be one way. Anything, Chris begged. Azel Epnemptador was thinking hard on it. Perhaps you could help us retrieve our colleagues. The Kid Space Force trio swapped confused glances. Azel continued, A Ceres ship crash-landed in your Nevada. The alien who tricked you on the encouragement of those men in black is one of us, right? The others were captured. We want them back. You can help. Chris, Natalie, and Marcia were eager to assist their interstellar friends. You cannot take any of the Ceres core back with you, though, Azel added. We mine it for our own energy purposes, and unfortunately, we only have enough to support our home. The four talked more and agreed on a plan. First, the kid's space force was let out of space prison. Second, they blasted off into space and set course for Earth, the alien space force close behind. Third, they arrived in Area 51. Azel and his alien force buddies created a distraction to draw attention away from the kid's space force as they landed safely and set out to search the dusty, crate-filled warehouse where the Ceres Corps mission had begun. Azel caught up with them. As his alien friends continued to draw human attention away from his top priority. Chris, Natalie, Marcia, and Azel began searching high and low all through the place, but found nothing. Chris asked hesitantly, What happens if we don't find your colleagues? Azel answered, There's only so much I can do. The judge said if you fail, you must go to work in the Ceres Mines, extracting core. The Kid Space Force trio panicked. It's actually an okay job. You'll get benefits, and the job includes housing and cable TV and all the pizza you can eat, said Azel. All right, sign me up. Chris was excited now. The girls were not. But we'd never get to see our friends and family again, shouted Natalie. Yeah, shouted Marcia. Oh, yeah, sulked Chris. Just when they were beginning to think all hope was lost, they found what they'd been looking for. Deep in that warehouse, down an extremely long and dark dead-end aisle, a spaceship and four alien beings were found. Azel and his fellow Ceres residents were overjoyed at the sight of one another. Okay, we have to get you all out of here, Azel commanded. Not so fast. The booming voice of Agent Hanks, eleven other men in black by his side, had the kid space force and the alien space force cornered. Suddenly, an alien space force ship blasted through the ceiling and landed hard on the ground between our heroes and villains. The floor shook violently, and all fell, covered in debris. The aliens recovered quickly and loaded onto the spacecraft, preparing for takeoff. Azel rushed to save his buddies, while his gratitude to Chris, Natalie, and Marcia poured out. Kid Space Force, thank you. Your slate is wiped clear, 
We of Ceres owe you as much. Wait, Chris pleaded. What do we do now? Natalie continued. Yeah, we completed your mission, but we failed our task for the men in black. Marcia picked up there. They're going to make us disappear or something. Azel had an idea. Let's round them up. We can take them. Take them they did. One at a time, the Kids Space Force and Alien Space Force worked together to catch, trap, trick the men in black until all twelve were imprisoned on the Alien Force rocket. Azel smiled. They won't be bothering you anymore. We'll take care of them. What are you going to do? Chris asked. You're not going to... Natalie began, unable to finish, as she imagined the grim fate that awaited those twelve poor, mysterious men from Area 51. Hazel answered, We'll put them to work in the mines. It's a good job, after all, with benefits, housing, cable. Chris finished his sentence, and pizza. You want to join them? Azel asked, seriously. Chris seemed to consider it for a moment, before the girls grabbed him and both yelled, No! The kids' space force and the alien space force said their goodbyes and blasted off in separate directions, one toward dwarf planet Ceres, the other on its way to splendid West Virginia. All involved, sure that their paths may one day cross again. Well, I'm glad to see Chris, Natalie, and Marcia back home in Splendid again, and just in time for Easter. Of course, we've been dealing with our own issues, problems, here in Splendid, surrounding Easter especially. It's been a strange week, one that involved a need to call on our kid detective agency. Jen, Ben, and Red were needed to get to the bottom of... Kid Detectives. The case of the endangered Easter. Advertisements promised thousands of Easter eggs to hunt. However, when kids arrived at the park... No brightly colored oval treats were found. Eggs also disappeared from nearby schools and churches. Sounds like a job for the kid detectives, said Jen. Ben and Red agreed. Together, these three plucky Mycroft middle students made up the kid detectiving agency. Jen, the trio's bold leader, told the foolhardy boys that there was no such word as detectiving, but they outvoted her. Tomorrow is Easter. We don't have much time. Jen rallied her partners to investigate the crime scenes. Ben picked up an empty pizza box. Disgusting. Litter. I'll throw it away. Don't, Jen demanded. That's evidence. It's a Pearl's pizza box. That place has been closed for a year. Red wandered off, daydreaming of Pearl's pleasing pepperoni, when he spotted clue number two. An ice cream cone? It's not warm enough. Jen found the third clue while searching the park. She placed the toothpaste in an evidence bag. 
these three clues, the pizza box, the ice cream cone, and the tube of toothpaste, led to some familiar subjects. Familiar to Jen, Ben, and Red, our kid detectives, the trio first interviewed Dr. Payne, the town dentist. His new office was near the park. Months earlier, Dr. Payne was caught nabbing kids' Halloween treats. I saved this town hundreds of cavities. I'm a hero. Makes sense why you would move on to Easter eggs, Jen smiled as she accused him. I'm innocent. Somebody's framing me, Dr. Payne protested. Besides, I have an alibi. I've been moving supplies from the old office to this new one. Working around the clock, my staff will verify. The kids checked Pearl's old boarded-up pizza place, now closed. Surprisingly, they found someone else recognizable. Mr. Cool. Mr. Cool was the town's disgraced shaved ice salesman. The kid detectives busted him the previous summer for draining the city pool and stealing air conditioners, all while driving up the price on shaved ice. I'm straight as an arrow now, kids, Polly Cool swore when Jen, Ben, and Red cornered him. He explained that his new job involved cleaning empty old buildings. That's what brought me here to Pearl's. Who's next on the list? Jen asked. Gaskins, Ben and Red answered. Last year, the kid detectives cracked their first big case. Rusty Gaskins stole every ounce of ice cream in town. He was the ice cream bandit. The ice cream cone clue led straight to the ice cream bandit's front door. Not many people could pull off such a big operation, Rusty, Jen accused. I'm flattered, Jen, but I'm not the egg thief, Rusty responded. Who's at the door? A voice from inside Rusty's house asked. Nobody, P. He slammed the door. He called somebody P., Ben observed. So, Red was lost. Ben schooled Red. That person in Rusty's house, P. I bet it's Dr. Payne. P for Payne. Jen disagreed. Payne and Gaskins don't get along. All those cavities. Red wagered his own guess. P stands for Pearl. She's back. Jen shook her head, unsure. P is for Polly. Polly Cool. Jen seemed confident as she spoke her theory aloud. If he's working at Pearl's old place, maybe he's cleaning out the dentist's old office, too. And maybe he's inside Rusty's house right now. That would connect him to all three clues. The kid detectives felt they had enough evidence to make a case. The town's new police chief, Waverly Porter, didn't believe them. Polly Cool is innocent. Trust me, kids. Leave this work to the real detectives, she spouted angrily. I don't think she likes us. Ben said as they left the police station. I give up, Jen submitted uncharacteristically. Not so fast, Red stopped her. What is Mr. Cool's old shaved ice truck doing here? The kids hid behind a bush to watch secretly. 
they spied the new police chief, Waverly Porter, as she exited the building and got into Mr. Cool's truck. Let's tail them. Jen raced to her bike. The boys followed. The sky darkened and curfew drew near. But these kid detectives pursued their only lead. Mr. Cool and Waverly Porter arrived at a nice restaurant. Are they on a date? Jen questioned. The boys giggled. Jen spied on Cool and Porter while Ben and Red inspected the shaved ice truck. The back door is unlocked. Red opened it, and thousands of Easter eggs poured out in a giant chocolate tidal wave that buried him. The restaurant patrons witnessed it all, revealing Mr. Cool's egg thievery. The police dug Red out and hauled Mr. Cool away. But Waverly Porter was not pleased with the kid detectives. She claimed she's been working undercover to trap him, Jen confided to Ben and Red. I think she's mad just because we caught her with her boyfriend. You're out of line, young lady. Now the Easter egg thief has been captured. You three can go. Porter sent the kids away and addressed questions to the media. She explained to the news cameras how Mr. Cool set out for revenge by endangering the beloved Easter holiday. It was all very believable, but was it entirely true? I have a bad feeling about her, Ben said. His friends nodded agreement. Suddenly, Rusty Gaskins appeared. Kid detectives to the rescue again, he snarled. What are you doing here, Gaskins? Red asked, agitated. I was supposed to meet my good friend Polly and the new police chief for dinner. Looks like it'll be postponed. Why were you meeting them? Jen commanded. Just friends getting together for dinner. Rusty laughed and left, juggling three multicolored eggs high in the air. The kid detectives biked home, satisfied that Cool was in custody. They couldn't help think, however, that only part of the guilty party had been brought to justice. Easter eggs are safe, Ben assured. That's what matters, Red added. For now, Jen half agreed. The end. And it's the end of yet another Mystery Lab episode. Thank you for joining me, listeners. We'll be back soon with more wondrous stories of splendid West Virginia. Be good to each other. Have a wild and wonderful week. I'm Professor Theo. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. And Levi Joy. I'm Rissy Joy, the proud wife and mother of these two. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might blast you into outer space. If he could do that type of thing, I mean. Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at theprofessortheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.